thank you for the message that you've placed in the heart of the messenger, Lord. We ask that you pray, be with uh, uh, Pastor Jeremy, you would give him wisdom and words to be able to preach your word with all liberty, Lord. May your spirit do the work in our hearts. We thank you for the wonderful time of worship, and Lord, we, we thank you for that hope that the, the, the special sang about, Lord, and we thank you for the music that filled our hearts during the offertory. We ask that it would be taken, and now, Lord, make our hearts sensible to your word this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We started last week with a new series entitled, Behold Our God. And we said that we wanted to go on a journey and truly get to know who the God of the Bible is. We learned that the God of the Bible wants us to get to know Him, and we ought to have a desire within our own hearts to also want to get to know Him for who He is, get to know the person, the character, the personality of who God is. Now, as you study the God of the Bible, as you begin to read the scriptures and find what it says about God, there's often a common misconception about him. And the misconception about God many times as you read the Bible is that in the Old Testament, God is full of judgment. And in the New Testament, God is full of grace. But if you truly study the Bible, you'll find that Uh, That is truly not a a fact that you can rely on. Actually, it's not true at all. You see, God is a God that has not changed. God was the same in the Old Testament. He was uh, graceful and merciful and loving just as much as He was in the New Testament. And if you read the New Testament you'll find that there's just as much judgment pronounced upon those that choose to go away from the ways of God and from the paths that God would lead us. Uh, and, And there's just as much judgment there as you would find in the Old Testament. And so here as we study the book of Leviticus, I I don't want you to have a mindset that we're studying the Old Testament and this is where we're going to learn about how God is is, uh, very judging on people. In fact, I think we're going to find today that God is our healer. As you read Leviticus chapter 14 and as we study really chapter 13 and chapter 14 this morning, I want you to see and learn that God is a God that heals us, a God that meets our needs, a God that uh, gets to us where we need to be uh, gotten from, and a, and a God that supplies uh, not only our needs, but uh, also heals our diseases. And you'll find uh, as we study this that God is always one that is willing to help a person who is in need. In fact, I I heard about these two uh, liberal sociologists who were walking down the street one day. And uh, as they were walking down, they saw a man that was there right off the sidewalk and he was lying unconscious. He had cuts and and, and bruises and looked like he had just gotten really beat up really badly. And, And as these sociologists were walking by, they looked down on him and they said, man, whoever did that to that guy really needs our help. And sometimes if you're not careful, you can become a sociologist kind of Christian. You can see that there's someone there in need of help, and you just walk by uh, with a wrong kind of perspective. And sometimes we can think of God that way as well. Now, I'm here to say this morning that God is not one that will overlook your need and look to someone else's need. But uh, if he were to see you broken today, uh, if he were to see you uh, in in one in in need, then God would be one to heal you today. 
God is looking to come and heal us this morning. So I'd like to share with you just this one powerful truth that we learn about God's person from Leviticus 13 and and chapter 14. I want you to notice if you're taking your notes this morning, number one, the condition of the leper. In the book of Leviticus, God is teaching the people of Israel what it is to uh, have this holiness in their life. He has brought them out from Egypt. They were in captivity. They were in slavery. And much of their culture, much of what they had known as they were in captivity there in Egypt was was things that God did not want them to do. And so uh, he begins to try to teach them how they're to be a, a, a people that is set apart. He begins to show them that he is a God that is holy. And God has been holy uh, then, and God is just as holy now as he was then. And he's teaching the people, listen, as my people, as the people of God, you're going to have to be a people that is different, a people that is set apart, a people that is holy. And so the book of Leviticus talks a lot about uh, God's holiness and how a person uh, that is sinful, a a person that is not perfect, how do they approach a God that is? How is it that we can have a relationship and a fellowship with a God that is perfect when we ourselves are not perfect? How is it that we have a relationship with a God that is holy when we ourselves are not holy? And the whole book of Leviticus really talks about that. But in chapter 13 and chapter 14, uh, there's sort of an interesting parenthesis as you read that book. Now, I don't know how many have read the book of Leviticus, perhaps in your Bible reading, but Leviticus can be one of those books that you sort of just want to read through really quickly. Uh, It's one of those books that's somewhat confusing, and you're reading, and this is what you have to do for this sin, and you have the trespass sin, and you have the sin of atonement, and and you have all these rituals and ceremonies that you have to keep if you're going to uh, worship God in a certain way, if you're going to have God's forgiveness in your life. And and it it talks about what the priest's responsibilities were in the tabernacle and and how a person had to do uh, when they go to the tabernacle and, and when they make a sacrifice, what kind of sacrifice it had to be how they were going to sacrifice it. And, and sometimes in reading all of that, you get a little bit tired. I mean, I'm just talking about it, and I can see some of you are already getting tired. All right, It's that kind of book. But in chapter 13 and chapter 14, this little parenthesis is something that I find amazing. And it's this, this what to do, this law, you can call it the law of the leopard. What do you do when there's a, a person in your midst that has leprosy. And so in chapter 13, he begins to describe what leprosy is. In chapter uh, 13, uh, you you begin to read uh, what uh, the plague of leprosy is, how you can identify it, and, uh, and what it does to a person. Now let me just say, as we get started studying on leprosy, let me just say that leprosy has always been a picture of sin. Always throughout the Bible, as you read about leprosy, you'll find that it always has a picture of sin. Many times, not all the time, but many times when it speaks about uh, leprosy in a person's life, it was because of judgment, because of sin in their life. God uh, allowed leprosy to come upon them and upon their body. Not every time, but most of the time. But every time you read about leprosy, you, you can uh, surely bet on the reality that it pictures sin. All right, it's always been a picture of sin. So when we look at the condition of a leper, we're not only looking at a person that is physically ill, that physically has a disease, 
But we're going to also be looking at it spiritually and how sin relates so much and is pictured in the disease of leprosy. So let's start with, first of all, the condition of the leper. We didn't read all of chapter 13 for the sake of time, but I want you to notice what it says about the leper there in chapter 13. You'll notice, first of all, that the condition of the leper means that he was defective, that he was defective. That means there was something wrong with him. There was an imperfection in him. And, uh, and let me say, it began with a small rising scab or bright spot. Within the first two or three verses there of Leviticus 13, you'll find that the way you identify it is it started with just a little bit of a rising. It looked almost like a scab. And as soon as you got a scab, uh, because they were worried about is this going to breed leprosy or not, they were commanded to go to the priest, and the priest was to look at that small little scab that you had uh, and, and make sure that it wasn't something that was leprosy. Uh, leprosy was something that was uh, more than just on top of the skin. The Bible says it was under the skin, under the flesh, something that was uh, more than just a cut or a bruise on top of your skin, but something that went deeper than that. And so as soon as something appeared on uh, your skin uh, that looked maybe something like leprosy, then they would take you to the priest. The priest would examine that uh, area and begin to look for signs of leprosy that was in that wound. And signs could be this, if you read the chapter. Uh, it could be that there was white hair on that scab. There would be white hair that would begin to grow. And, and right there, the uh, priest would know that's probably a sign of leprosy that's in your body. Another sign would be that Leprosy would begin to spread all over your body. And that which started just like a little rise and a little scab would begin to spread all over your body as sores came uh, there on your body. And, and at this, the priest, upon seeing and examining you, would pronounce that person unclean. He would say, I'm sorry, I, I hate to tell you this, but you have leprosy. A leprosy in that day and age would be much like if we went to a doctor today and he were to examine us and say, I'm, I'm sorry, you have cancer. Uh, it was something that was terminal. It was something that uh, started as something small. You didn't think really much of it. But upon examining it, it was the priest's responsibility to let that person know that he was infected with leprosy. But not only was it uh, started with a, a little scab there on, uh, on your skin, but it was something that had no treatment. There was nothing there that they could take to make the leprosy go away. In fact, nowhere in Scripture does one find a treatment for leprosy. Uh, it was a disease that had no answer. Once you were found to have it, then you must leave the camp. In fact, they asked you to have your dwelling place outside of the camp. Back then, in the people of Israel, they had the tabernacle in the center of uh, where they dwelt, and everybody made their tent around the tabernacle. But those that had leprosy could not even be in the little village of the tents. They had to go outside of the camp and make their place there. And the reason was because there was no treatment for what they were going through. It was a disease that really left you with not a whole lot of hope. And so as the priest examined you, he would tell you, you have leprosy and there's nothing we can do. I'm sorry, you're going to have to leave the camp and go outside the camp. Not only would it make a person defective, but less, leprosy would also make them defiled. 
It would make them defiled. In fact, upon being pronounced unclean, they're taken out of the camp and everything they touched now becomes defiled. Now, I want you to picture with me that scene. Imagining yourself, if you would, you woke up and, and you've had this scab the last couple days and you didn't think much of it. You thought, maybe I just cut myself, didn't really realize it. I was there in the field, I was working. And maybe it's not a big thing, but you say, I got to go see the priest. And the priest comes and examines you, and he gives you the worst news you could ever hear. He says, you have leprosy, you're going to have to leave the camp. Not only do you find out that you have a terminal disease, but now, he says, you're also defiled. And anything that you touch, you make unclean. He says, I'm sorry, but you, you can't go back home and give your wife a hug because you'll make her unclean. I'm sorry, but you'll not be able to hold your children anymore because that defilement will come upon them and they'll become unclean. I'm sorry, but everything that you touch now becomes unclean. Think about this, because you were defiled, that leper had to live outside of the camp. You're away from everyone. You're in a place that you're alone, you feel. You're in a place that no one can come and gather around you and hug you and say it's just going to be okay. There's nothing that you can take to make it go away. And now you find that you're somewhat of a contaminant to others. And you're made to live away from everyone. And if that's not bad enough... Anytime that people walk by as they go outside the camp, maybe they're traveling to another city or another village. Anytime they walk by where your house is, anytime that they're getting close to where you are, you're going to have to put a garment over your face and you're going to have to yell, unclean, unclean, unclean. They can't come and just hold you by the hand. They can't come and just have dinner with you and talk. No, you're defiled now. You've been made unclean. And everybody has to know that you've been made unclean. I, I can't imagine the, the heartache to be able to, or to have to tell your son or your favorite uncle or your favorite cousin, hey, I wish I could be at your game, but I can't. I can't be inside the camp. Man, I, I wish I could be there at your party, but I can't. I can't be inside the camp. And having to yell, unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Can you imagine that situation? Leprosy was something that made you defective. It made you defiled, but it also made you to be dying. You see, leprosy was a disease that everyone knew would, at one point, claim your life. There was no really hope for that person since there was no treatment. There was nothing that could be done for that person. What leprosy would do is it would begin to spread on your body, but then over time, all of those scabs would actually become more and more infected. And since it was really not just on your skin, it was deeper than your skin, what happens is it, in a process, would begin to rot your flesh. 
literally, over time, chunks of your fingers would just fall off. People's noses would just fall off their face. They would just be too wholesome. Their ears, parts of their arms and elbows, the flesh would just fall off. You were slowly and painfully dying. It was a disease that brought upon you and your life nothing but pain. Nothing but loneliness. Nothing but heartache. This disease of leprosy was something that was not only painful but fatal. Eventually, after leprosy had done its work, it would kill its victim. There's no getting around it. Surviving leprosy just was not possible without a miracle. It was not possible without something out of, the ex- out of the ordinary happening in your life. Now I tell you this, and I remind you of the fact that leprosy's always been made a picture of sin. Did you know that the Bible says that our condition as sinners has much of the same symptoms as leprosy did? Do you know that sin makes you and me defective today? The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're short of perfection. We're short of being holy. In fact, Romans 3.10 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. Sin has made us all defective. It has made us all unclean. In fact, Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 22, But the scripture hath concluded all under sin. The Bible says that sin has made us defective. Sin has made us defiled. The leper was to go out, and you can see that in Leviticus 13, verse 45 and 46. The, the leper had to get out there of the camp. The leper's clothing, his garments, no longer were garments that can be used. They were garments that were defiled, that needed to be burned after they were done using them. You couldn't just wash them and reuse them. It was something that affected and defiled everything. Do you know sin does that? Sin will defile your life. It'll darken it. It'll take you away and leave you lonely and depressed. Many today, you say, uh, in our world, uh, are very lonely and depressed. Uh, Many feel like they are abandoned. And do you know why? Because of sin. You see, sin always leads you down that path. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. The fact of the matter is, is, is sin not only will produce defilement in your life, but it will bring about death. For the wages of sin, the payment of sin, is death. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4 says, Behold, all sins are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the Son. Uh, the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Can I say this morning? That our condition, the moment that we were born and conceived, was a condition of sin. 
It was spiritual leprosy. It left us defective, defiled, and dying. What a sad state to be in. What a sad and horrific condition to find yourself in. To find that you are a sinner. Oh, it must have been the worst thing to have to go to the priest and hear the priest say, you're unclean. To hear him say, you got to get out of the camp. You have leprosy. Oh, I can't think of any greater nightmare, I think, for a person than to hear that from the priest. To know that there's no more going to the tabernacle and celebrating. No more going around with family and friends and just having that fellowship and companionship. No, spiritual leprosy had left them outside of the camp. It had left them in a state of death, in a state of defilement. And I believe that if Leviticus ended there, it would be one of the most sad books in the Bible. But you see, we read chapter 14 in our Bible reading this morning. Because chapter 14, you know what you learn? You learn that God is a healer. I want you to notice in your notes the cleansing of the leper. See, in chapter 13, we find the condition of the leper, one of death and dying and loneliness and depression. But in chapter 14, you find that that there's a cleansing, that there is a way to beat this. And it's not with treatment. It's not with some human medicine. There is a way that you can be cleansed. You see, though the leper was in a state of death, though the leprosy was deadly and fatal, and though it was a condition that left its victims helpless and many times hopeless, there was a way in which a leper could be cleansed. There was a way in which he could find the cleansing that he needed the healing that he needed from the disease that he had. You say, well, how, how did that come? What, 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 was, what was the process? How, how could that happen? The first thing you find in the cleansing of a leper is the inspection of the priest. As you read there in chapter 14 of Leviticus, you read in those verses, really starting from verse number 1, It says this in uh, chapter 14, and it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leopard in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest. Now, I want you to notice something just there in verse number 2. It says, And he shall be brought unto the priest. The first thing on this inspection by the priest that you'll find is that the leper was brought. You see, the leper could not be in the camp. Because of his leprosy, he had to be and make his living outside of the camp alone, out where everybody uh, there that was around him was also a leper. They used to call them these leper colonies, villages. And in order for him to be inspected by the priest, somebody had to go and get him. There had to be a friend or a loved one that cared enough that said, Hey, I I know the priest. Come, Come with me. I can take you. At that point, I'm sure that the leper would probably say, hey, I'd love to go with you, but I'm unclean. I'm unclean. And the friend said, I know you are. But there's a priest. 
There's a way that you can be cleansed. You don't have to stay unclean. You don't have to stay defiled. You don't have to stay in this state of death. Come with me. I know the priest. You know, I'm so thankful for a ministry like Camp Loma de Vida. You say, why are you so thankful? I'm thankful because at the age of 10, I was in a church and there was people that saw the importance of bringing 10-year-olds to our high priest. And someone said, listen, there's a message you need to hear. And they took me to camp and while I was there, I heard a message. That though I had grown up in church and though I knew many of the stories of the Bible, that message that day was different. I'm so glad somebody went to bring me. We find that the leper was brought. But you got to think about this. That friend that's going to get that leper, he knows the law. The law states the leper cannot come into the camp. He can't. There's no way that he can come in and see the priest. So what must happen? Well, it says there in verse number 3, of chapter 14, and it says, And the priest shall go forth out of the camp. So now you see the picture. There's a friend and says, Hey, you don't have to stay in that leprosy. Come here. I, 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 I've already spoken to the priest. Come with me. And as they're walking towards the camp, already there's a priest that's walking out of the camp to them. There's a priest that knows the condition of that man or that woman or that child that is coming. There's a priest that, that has the power to pronounce this person clean. There was a priest that would go and meet him outside of the camp. You know, it makes me think of Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 12. You see, because the Bible teaches that the Lord Jesus Christ is our high priest. And though, yes, at one time he had to pronounce you and me sinners, he's a priest that doesn't just bring judgment on that sin, but one that comes out of the camp. One that's willing to pronounce you clean. You see, that high priest was willing to go out. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 12, wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify us, in other words, make us clean. The people with his own blood suffered, it says, without the gate, outside of that camp. He met the leopard where the leopard could not meet himself. He went to where the leopard was at. This morning, the cleansing started with the inspection of that priest. The leper was to be brought and the priest was to go out. But then I want you to notice the sacrifice for the leper. As the priest would go and meet him outside of the camp, he would begin to inspect the leper. And he would see that it had spread all over. There was nothing that the leper could say, well, well, uh, my, my leg is fine, there's no leprosy here, or, or my foot is fine, or my hand is fine. Or my head is fine. No leprosy here. No, at this point, he was covered completely. 
At this point, that leper had recognized leprosy has overtaken me totally. He might have been a little bit scared to meet the priest because the last time he saw him, he banished him. Maybe the leper was a little bit frightened. I know I probably would have been. But at this point, the leper knows it's over. Can I say, if you're going to have healing this morning, when you go to our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to go with an attitude that says, I have nothing. I have nothing to offer you. Sin has infected all of me. I can't hold on to my good works. I can't uh, hold on to my good morals. I can't hold on to my good values. I can't hold on to uh, how good I've been and treated others. No, I, I have to admit that sin has overtaken all of me. And as a priest examines and sees all of that, Notice what he calls for. Look in Leviticus chapter 14. It says in verse number 4, Then shall the priest command to take for, the, for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean, and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. I want you to notice, first of all, the sacrifice involved two birds, one bird for death. One bird there was going to be killed. The first bird would be the bird used for this sacrifice. It would be taken and placed there, it says, in an earthen vessel and killed under running water. I want you to think about this. That seems a little bit, um, you might say, well, what's the big deal about this sacrifice? What's the big deal about these two birds? I want you to think about the bird first especially this first bird. Does anyone know where the natural habitat of a bird is? Do you know that birds don't make holes in the ground and then live underground? You know, the natural habitat of a bird is the heavens. They fly above. Every bird that has wings that can fly, flies above and makes its habitat up there. When they make their nest, they make them high on the trees. For their habitat is the heavens. Now they were going to take this bird from out of the heavens and bring him down, and they were going to kill him, the Bible says there, in an earthen vessel. That word earthen means like mud or clay. Can I just give you what that picture is? It's a picture of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you and me. You see, the Bible says he left heaven and came to earth and became a man and took upon himself flesh and dwelt among us, the Bible says. The Bible says that as he dwelt among us, though he was loving, though he was caring, though he was always truthful, the Bible says we esteemed him not. And on a cross, they nailed that man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and crucified him. Not for his sin, but for ours. Not for his, if you would, like the bird. Not for the bird's leprosy, but for the leper. We find that he was killed under running water. You know, water has always signified life. In fact, most scientists tell us that without water, life isn't possible. Maybe you've read that. And running water is water that has life in it. 
You can get into a dead pool and a dead uh, pool of water, and, and, and it could be deadly, it could be poisonous. But whenever you get to a creek or, or something like a river, there's, there's life there. It's, it's good water to drink. This first bird was to be killed in that earthen vessel under that running water. The Bible says that Jesus Christ became flesh to die for us, and yet He is life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It reminds me of Isaac and Abraham as they were going to the mountain, and Isaac asked his dad, Abraham, Father, we have the wood here, and we, and we have everything we need for the sacrifice except, except the lamb. And Abraham said, God shall provide himself a lamb. We find in this first bird the picture of Christ and his death. But then there was a second bird, a bird that signified life. Do you know that this second bird completes the picture of, of what Christ did and who Christ is? While that first picture was the picture of Christ on the cross dying, the second picture of this bird was life. You see, as the priest was holding that bird that was still alive, they were to get some cedar wood, and they were going to get some scarlet and some hyssop, and they would dip all of that in the blood of that first bird. And that blood was to be then transferred onto that bird that was alive. That bird would be dipped in that other bird's blood to represent the blood that was shed. And that blood uh, was poured all over that bird with that hyssop and that scarlet and that cedar wood. And that bird was going to be let go. The bird there in the ceremony was going to be the bird that stayed alive with the blood on him. This morning, we sang about the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, it is the blood that gives us life. There is no remissions of sins without the shedding of blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And we see in that second bird as he, as the priest was holding it, and the blood was poured upon it, the priest then would turn to that leper. And we take that blood from that bird that was left, and he would sprinkle that leper once, then twice, then three times, all the way till seven times. At the end of seven times, the priest would look at that leper and he says, thou art clean. And then that bird would be let go. And from that moment on, that former leper that was full of disease and death and defilement was now clean. He had been cleansed from that disease. That same priest that perhaps had pronounced him to be unclean now pronounces him to be clean. And now there's a bird that was flying. And can you imagine this guy? Can you imagine this person, whether it was a, a man or a woman or a child, this person that now has been pronounced clean, that has now been made whole again. Can you imagine being there in that moment? As the priest says, now you can 
You can be with friends and family. And you're not alone anymore. And you're not defiled and unclean anymore. But now you've been made clean and you've been made new. I, I don't know what, what would be my reaction. I, I, I don't know. I mean, would, would the first thing be that if you're, if you're married, go and hug your wife? Would be to go see your kids? If you're a teenager, was it to go and see your friends? I don't know. But he had been made clean. He'd been declared pure and okay. You know, I, I don't believe that when he received that, pronunciation. I don't believe that the boils just went away right away. I don't believe that when the priest said, you're clean, that that was it. His body would become like new skin and milk. No. I believe it was going to take time for those scars to heal up. And that's why that bird that was alive was so important. Because you see, as this leper went back into the camp, with some of those scars and some of that still on him, people would say, hey, aren't you unclean? And he'd say, no. No, I've, I've been made clean. You don't understand. There was a bird that died, and his, that blood that was shed, it was, it was shed for me, and, and it was sprinkled on me, and it cleansed me. He said, oh, no, 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 you must have misunderstood the priest. You must have misunderstood him. I don't think he can declare you clean like that. Look at you. You're still, you still have all that leprosy on you. And he said, no, 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 no. You see, you see that bird that's flying over there? You see it's all red from the blood that's on it? That was the blood for me. And let me just say, as a sinner, a sinner that has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the high priest, the Bible says he ever maketh intercession for us. The Bible says he carried that blood to the Father and declared us righteous. He hath made him, that is Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. You see, we find in the priest the pronunciation of, of him making the leper whole, of him making the leper undefiled. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This morning, can I remind you that God is a healer? I don't know what it is that you're going through. I don't know what it is that you're facing. I'm not sure what sin has caused in your life. If you find yourself in a place in life where you're depressed and alone. I don't know if you find yourself this morning in a place where sin has taken you to destroy you. But I'm here to tell you that God is a healer. You don't have to stay in that sin. You don't have to stay in that defilement. But there is a healer. And there is only one. There is only one that can cleanse you. There is only one that forgives you. There is only one that can pardon you. There is only one that can make you clean. I'd imagine that those that received that cleansing from that leprosy, I wonder if they just shouted through the camp, <laughs> clean, I'm clean, I'm clean. 
I wonder if they sang. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. This morning, I remind you, God is a healer. The question is, will you let him heal you? There in the book of John, he found a man that was lame. And Jesus asked him, Wilt that that I shall make thee whole? Do you want me to heal you, in other words? You know, the Titanic's captain, when they left port, did not believe that the ship was even sinkable. Legend says that until that water was to his ankles and a little bit above that, that the captain finally accepted that the boat was going to sink. In fact, he was so confident in it not sinking that he delayed in sending out an emergency call so that other ships might come. And because of that delay, not very many were saved. Most perished when Titanic sank. They didn't know that that was going to be their last night. The captain didn't know that the ship was going to be going down, but it did. You know, many today believe that they will find healing somewhere else. They'll find healing in their money. They'll find healing in their job. They'll find healing at a later time. I've heard many say, let me just leave it, live it up, and then when I'm on my deathbed, I'll turn to God. And the only problem is, you don't know when that moment is. Just like those on the Titanic, just like that captain never thought that that was going to be that last moment. You may not have another moment and another opportunity to be made whole again. I want to encourage you, why not make today that moment? If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I I can say I've been redeemed. Then I would remind you of your responsibility. I I would imagine that that friend that went to get the leper might have been a leper himself. It might have been at one time he remembered, hey, somebody brought me. I'm going to go out there and see if there's someone that that I can bring now. Someone that can come and meet the high priest. The one that can cleanse them. I wonder. I wonder this morning, have you shared with others that God is a God of healing? Has he healed you? And there's, there's no greater thing than to be healed by God. I pray you'll make that decision this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and and just what we find in these two chapters. Oh, Father, we have been infected by sin. We have been taken in our lives by a lie or by something that has brought us depression and loneliness, has brought defilement into our life, because sin always does. Oh, it starts so small. It starts as something that we think we can control, and it's not a big deal. Oh, but Father, to hear the, pronoun- the, the pronouncement by the priest uh, that we are unclean. 
But Father, I don't know how many this morning find themselves in that condition. Oh, but what wonderful news to know that there is a cleansing. There is a high priest that will come and make us new and whole again. Oh, Father, I pray that we would cling to him this morning. That we would come to him for only the healing that he can give. This morning, if every head bowed, every eye closed, perhaps you're here this morning. And you're saying, Pastor, <clears throat> to be honest, I've never experienced that cleansing. I've been to church many times, but I can't think of one time where I asked Jesus to forgive me and to save me. But I understand this morning that Jesus is the only one that can save me from sin. He was that sacrifice for me. I'm the one that's in need because I'm in a sinful state and I really need a Savior this morning. Pastor, I'd like to make that decision to be made clean. Can I just raise your hand? I, I just want, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone like that? Then perhaps this morning you're saying, Pastor, I'm one of those that have been redeemed and I have been made clean. Would you pray for me that I can bring someone else to, this, to the one that changed and made me whole? Pray for me, Pastor, that in this week I just have one opportunity, at least one, to just show somebody what Christ did for me, that he might do that for them as well. Would you just pray for me? If that's your decision, just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. I see those hands. Amen. Father, this morning, I saw hands and mine was lifted as well. But you saw our hearts. And Father, as we think of what has been done for us, as we think how wonderful it is to have a God that heals, I pray that you would help us to share that with others. That just as at one point we had to declare to everyone how unclean we were. While others could see the effect of sin in our life, I pray that now, being changed, being different, we would, that we would share just as loudly, if not louder, who made us clean. Father, that we would bring others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ the high priest who gave himself for us. Oh, Father, I pray you'd speak to us. Help us now to apply that truth into our life. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.